Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We very much appreciate that. Um, jumping into two quick topics before we get into the football contest uh, that we mostly like to talk about uh, on this podcast and, and and on Twitter, I would say. Uh, what I'm kind of alluding to here already is that I I had a semi-viral tweet. I, I don't know what you know constitutes viral or not. Um, biggest tweet I've ever had is like over 600,000 impressions. That's a, that's a monster. And uh, well, I'm not going to hey, read being verified. That'll get you a chunk of change oh, from the old X factory. So yeah, there you go. Um, uh, and I'm not gonna read the whole tweet. Essentially the synopsis of the tweet was, can we just have some fun as a college football fan when your team wins a game? Now, obviously I'm going to lean into some Iowa stuff here, but honestly, I did mean this as like a, global take on on you know college football fans in in general um certainly a lot of this came from just attacking Iowa's offense relentlessly like I said we'll get into that but you know honestly there was a lot of 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 things that got into it you know or factors however you want to say that brought the, the tweet out from me um and like Michigan they're seven and0 and all I hear about is their schedule. <laughs> Penn State, right? Six and zero, seven and zero. What's Penn State? They're six and zero, but they can't and, throw the ball deep. They can't. They don't have explosive plays. Yeah, no you know? explosive. Ohio plays, State's right. quarterback is getting destroyed. Iowa's offense, like, and and you, and you sit there, and it's and if you got outside the the SEC or uh, the Big Ten and into the SEC and and other conferences, you, you would see the same stuff. For me, uh-huh. it, it was I would just went on the road and beat a a rival in their own stadium, just let some fans enjoy a, a, li- a little bit of joy because like, isn't this, isn't that what this is all about? You know, is kind it's, of what it seems be- so much anymore that this game and maybe even in a bigger level society has gotten to the point of, we don't appreciate the little things that we have while we have them. Like Correct. there was a point in time where you would say you went into Madison and got a win and nobody gave a damn how it happened you won the game that's all that mattered but now it seems like that win means absolutely nothing because the Iowa offense is still bad but it's but it that's not true Iowa won they won the game you play to win the game that's a viral clip that we've heard (laughs) right for how many years like it's it's getting worse and worse because we just can't like you said you can't be happy it's just it's not it's blasphemy Everything needs to be attacked. Um, And then people say, well, then you need to get off Twitter. I totally admit that that Twitter is a part of this equation, the the frustration equation, for lack of a better way of putting it. But what really gets me upset is when like trained minds, I don't know how to say it, because it doesn't necessarily have to be a national commentator. Um, But but somebody that has a podcast or, you know, writes for CBS you know, sports is a platform. Much, Somebody right, that a has platform. a big platform. You would think there would be some a little bit more decorum there, but that part of college football is degrading too. Where they the the common denominator now is to just just rip rip everybody apart. 
Um, I'll give him a compliment before I, I tear into him. Tom Fernelli, because this is where a lot of this came from, with the Cover 3 podcast. He writes for CBS Sports. I thought he did an excellent job breaking down Oregon, Washington. Okay. And he essentially said, I don't feel any different about these two teams. It just so happened that one of them won and one of them lost. It was the correct take. There were some things to talk about, you know, Dan Lanning's decisions and stuff like that. So that that was interesting. But essentially it was like the feeling you get then moving in, you know, deeper into the podcast is, well, this is how every team and every game should be. That's not that's not just not college football. That's not high school football. That's not the NFL. Like, and by the way, I'd like to point out, I'm almost positive. That's the first time in the 120 year history between Oregon and Washington where both teams are ranked in the top 10. So like it point I'm trying to make is these things don't happen very often that two elite teams with senior quarterbacks and experienced players, like it's, it's really hard for these coaches and players to get on, to be this good that often. And even on, even on a bigger level, let's just take a step back and look at this college football season as a whole. When is the last time we've sat back at a season seven, eight weeks in and said, I don't know who the favorite is to win the national championship. It's awesome. Or I don't know who the favorite is to win any of these conferences. Every awesome. single Power 5 conference has two, three, maybe even four teams that could win their conference. But yet here we are talking about the fact that all this, all the bad, the bad, the bad. How about how freaking amazing, amazing this college right. football season is shaping up and what this last four or five weeks is going to look like? I can't wait. I'm excited. Yes. It's all hell for it. But you hear the the, the big voices, like you said. They just, it's for some reason, and it's the clicks because everybody likes to be, everybody likes to bash people and they get the clicks for it. But to me, I'm excited as hell about what this season is. It's been a fun season. I don't, and I think it's only going to get better because the games are only going to get better now. And it's been fun. And and the one thing I would say is um, uh, there hasn't been a ton yet of high marquee like games between top ranked teams. But when we've had them, they've been really good. They've like, delivered. They've LSU, delivered. LSU, Florida State wasn't phenomenal, but it took Florida State a while to like run away with that. Uh, uh, Ohio State Notre Dame was an amazing game. By the way, I'd like to point out low scoring, right? Way under. And yeah. didn't we enjoy that? I thought it was a darn fun game. And then obviously Oregon Washington was incredible. I, I'll be honest with you, I, I had to like kind of rewatch that to really appreciate it. It was fantastic. And and I was putting out tweets that day already where it said, you know, at halftime of the Iowa Wisconsin game, it's seven to nothing. Every yard, you know, every yard is a struggle. And then Oregon, Washington, way more points at halftime, high flying offenses. This isn't like picking a job or a spouse. You know, I have a couple <laughs> different shirts that I like to wear that yeah. I think every now and then, if I'm hitting it right, maybe my wife even thinks I look good in them. Okay. I can like a low scoring slobber knocker and a high scoring game where, you know, why? At why the exact can't I like same both? time on two different TVs. That's Should, the beauty of college football. Shouldn't we be celebrating that right there? Man, I am. I am too, Jordan. Um, now, the last thing I'll say on, on the Iowa stuff, because then that's where Fernelli was just driving hard into the lane. And, 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 you listen to the clip, like I played a clip on Twitter, and he, he just sounds angry. It's like 
it's like Kirk and Brian Ferentz have stolen money off his nightstand and he is out for revenge, even though it's not his team. And he, and he says, you know, his tweet said, Iowa fans are more upset about people pointing out how bad their offense is than the actual, how bad the actual offense is. That's not true. Trust me. Nobody's more upset of how bad the Iowa offense is than Iowa fans. We don't fight it. We know it. It's obvious. It's 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 completely obvious that the Iowa offense is bad. What we get upset about is that nothing else is discussed that has anything to do with the Iowa football program other than the offense is bad. It would be nice for somebody other than an Iowa fan or a beat writer to point out that the defense is good, they hold, they protect the ball, and their special teams are good, they win games. Like, like it would be nice to hear those things as well. I'm 100% with you. I mean, I got into the back and forth with, with Tom's yeah, co-host, I appreciate that. co-host Bud. I mean, it was it's just, it's beating your head against the wall. There's these guys and these these national takes, and there's some other there's some other ones out there that are really bad. They say these games are boring. It's like then you're not watching football. Just, just right. you don't understand the inner workings of what football really is because good defense does isn't exist. Boring. It, like, it, it's it's there's there's art to it. And and I can definitely say there are games where you watch and you're like, this isn't good defense. These are bad offenses. Okay. I'm not going to say that wasn't partly the deal in Iowa, Wisconsin, but there was a lot of really good defensive plays being made in that 100%. game. And then the last thing I'll say, and I swear we'll move on. I, I hope people, <laughs> not Iowa fans, at least pulled a little bit of something out. And I want to say my my faith in humanity was restored because I could not believe how many people tweeted back. Thank you. I agree. I feel the same thing. Of all the people that DM'd me, I tried to get back to all of you. I can't name them all, but uh, that meant a lot to me because it was like a ton of non-Iowa fans, Minnesota fans, Nebraska fans, you know, agreeing and saying, I am I get so tired of it. So I just want to say I appreciate all that. And then the last thing I would say on, on you know, the, the topic of Iowa's offense, and I swear we'll move on, but this again is more of a comment on, you know, globally, like when you follow some, because I would throw USC's defense in there. Too. Um, shout out to to my mom, uh, Mrs. Greek. Uh, it was her birthday this week. So happy birthday to my nice. mom. Happy and, birthday, Grandma Greek. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying that is because I'm going to tell an old story that is not making fun of her. It's having fun with her. And this is one this is one of the favorite stories of my my brothers and I. Um, so my my mom, uh, she's retired now, but my mom was a legal secretary, okay, and she was more like an office manager, right? And uh she would come home from work. This is when I'm young, you know, I'm a kid in the house. And as women tend to do, she would complain about work, you know, to my dad. And she, <laughs> and she had this coworker, Laura. Okay. And I, I think it was a green sweater and Laura would wear the same green sweater to work every single day. And it drove my mom nuts. And I get that, you know? So she'd come home like ah, Laura wore that green sweater again. I get she I cannot believe and and she just kept talking about Laura's green green sweater. And then my dad, who is a funny dude, he he had the classic line. How about this? How about you tell me when she isn't wearing the green sweater? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. Tell me when the story changes. Don't keep telling me the same thing over and over again. I have the same thing with Iowa's offense. Like Aren't you people getting tired of literally bringing up Iowa's offense all the time? Bud brought that thing up the entire summer. They'd be breaking down Syracuse, and he would bring up Iowa's offense. It's 
it's a weird default setting that they're on and it it's 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 bonkers man it's just bonkers yeah i'm with you 100 i don't understand it rants rants over it it could have been shorter it could have been longer too i I just want to say that oh i have a feeling if i let you you could go on all night on this one we We gotta do an hour on this topic alone oh boy okay um i'll settle down because i just want to talk football now but speaking of football we we did learn something and darn it i forgot to look on twitter on who pointed it out Pointed out to me on Twitter was, if you are a person, but the 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 mouth guard, mouthpiece, whatever you want to call it, mystery has been solved. And what we're getting at is on this podcast, and 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 Jordan and I have both tweeted out guys running down the field with their mouthpiece attached to the front of their face mask, flopping all around. And of course, you sit there and think like how you get a concussion or chip some teeth or whatever. What are these guys doing? Come to find out, as pointed out. They still do have the smaller fitted mouthpieces. That's their backup just in case they lose their mouthpiece and they're running a hurry up offense so they can get back into formation, put the spare mouthpiece in and keep playing football. How about that? You learn something yeah, every day, I, Jordan. I I uh well, I looked it up while you were talking so we can shout this person out. It hurts me a little bit because it's a buckeye, but at DPH Buckeye. <laughs> was the one that tweet baggy said it's a spare and when i i remember seeing it when you when it happened i read that and i just went huh, huh. how about that makes a lot of sense so shout out dph buckeye yeah. at dph buckeyes that was I, I good on you to me never would have thought of it really smart because we had that you know when i was at iowa we had the prescribed mouthpieces you got a mouth mold when you, and it was with you all the time they always had a spare one but you can't do it in the middle of the play um, so good job, DPH. And I still say, I still think there's a little bit of a fashion trend as well. I think it's kind of a cool oh, thing. Oh, yeah, it might be a little bit. I, I, but I, I think everything. Everything's a flashy show now. So look good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good, get the ladies. That's how it goes, <laughs> buddy. All right. Let's go ahead and go into week eight of the Big Ten season. Uh, there are two teams idle this week the Maryland Terrapins and the Purdue Boilermakers. Six games this weekend, all six games or on Saturday, October 21st, two games early, three games in the afternoon, one game in the evening, not a bad mix for this weekend. First game up, the 5-2 and two Rutgers Scarlet Knights at the 2-4 and four Indiana Hoosiers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Rutgers by 5 over under a pretty low 40. Vegas is saying something like 22-17 to 17 Scarlet Knights. So the Hoosiers lead the all-time series five to four. So it's a close one here. The Scarlet Knights have won the last two, including last year's 24-17 little barn burner we had. So big game here this weekend, you know. Two teams seem to be trending in opposite directions in their seasons for sure. And we 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 talked about it last week. This is a big one for Rutgers, probably more than anything for that bull eligibility status. So yeah. Um so you know, as far as trending, things have definitely been trending great for Rutgers, okay? Idle 100%. next week after this game. Here's where another trend could come up, which is Ohio State at Iowa at Penn State, Maryland, okay? Woof. Rutgers, <laughs> we love you. We love you, Rutgers. We do. I definitely think you can get a win or two out of those next four games. With that being said, you definitely want to go into this idle wake with, with the bowl game wrapped up. This, this, this is the it, game would, it would feel a whole lot better to take that week off and know, you know what? 
we got one more game no matter what at the end of the year already under our yeah. belts. Let's get that out of the way. I'm with you 100 percent there. Guys. And I, 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 I me thinks uh, Greg Schiano probably is in on this a little bit too. This week. Yeah, I think I think they they are they are chopping extra hard in practice this week. And how do I think they're going to get there? Um, I don't know. I it when Rutgers is off, I feel like it's more play calling. I really do. I I I feel like they don't stay committed to the run. And because of that, Gavin Wimsett gets off schedule or they try to square peg round hole it sometime by having Gavin Wimsett make a splash pay on like second and three. Like just stay on schedule and go. That would be my my piece of advice for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Just be who you are. Right. You know, like, you, like this isn't a situation where you have to try to reinvent the wheel, especially this week with this Indiana team. Like we mentioned, who is struggling? Now the Hoosiers' defense is plucky, and they showed that against Michigan last week. They put up a good fight for the first part of that game, but obviously proved to be too much. But, to, yeah, to me, Rutgers, let Wimsett run the ball. Let Kyle Manungai run the ball, and just don't turn the ball over. I mean, that's yep. what got them in such a huge hole last week against the Spartans. You know, they, they, were, they were putting the ball on the ground and throwing it to the wrong team. So I think – that needs to be number one focus. If you have to run the ball 45 times in this game, I think that's fine. I There's think nothing totally wrong fine. with that theory. And Do I think that got you there and what you're good at. I, I totally agree. Um, here, here would be my take is Rutgers, you have improved a lot. You entered this game the better team. So don't try to make fetch happen in this game. <laughs> just just play. Just my play. wife's gonna love that. My <laughs> wife's gonna love that. Gonna... <laughs> just just play. You as long as you don't over mistake, out mistake Indiana, you will win this game. Like I, so just play it straight up, keep it close to the vest, wear them down and win the game. I think you'll see that, but I but like I said, when I don't see it from Rutgers, it's it's self-inflicted. So hopefully they won't see that. You know, quickly yeah. on the Hoosiers, because let's be honest, it's, you know, it's it's getting to be twilight, you know, as far as Hoosier fans. Um, I don't know if it's going to be Taven Jackson. I don't know if it's going to be Soresby. Um, they can rely on the defense. And if if the defense, the defense will, will be fine in this game. Can you make something explosive happen and get the good feels going again in Hoosier land? Yeah. And man, I like I said, after last week, I thought Soresby was the better quarterback. Mm-hmm. That we saw it just seemed like Jackson was making too many mistakes both throwing the ball and when to two and not to run the ball. So I don't know. I, I The big thing I wrote down here is this is the ultimate quick game for Indiana. You know, if they get to a spot where they get down early, you could see this team just completely shut down. And like we've, we've kind of alluded to, this could be the end of Tommy Allen. I, I hate to say it because he's, um, he's been fun to yep. fun to cover there with, with the Hoosiers. But I just don't see a whole lot of – and the, the, the problem with this also for Indiana is this is a bad matchup for them. It is because they struggle to throw the ball, which is where Rutgers has had some susceptiveness. But they like to run the ball, but Rutgers is good at stopping the run. So it's like your pieces aren't lining up great. Um, I'll go first. Uh, I do. I do believe we will see a low score and slobber knocker pretty much exactly how Vegas sees it. Okay, I mean, obviously Vegas knows what they're doing. They see they see what we see. Um, I do think Rutgers will just be the better team. Okay. I thought about picking them with a higher spread, you know, be, beating Indiana. But in the end, because of the nature, I think, of the game plan, I think it'll be a little bit closer. But Rutgers, definitely the better team. I've got Rutgers 23, Indiana 13, and at 36 points. So that's a Rutgers cover. 
And at 36 points, I got it going four points under that game total. Yeah, so we're we're pretty close to each other here. Um, I have a I have a little bit more points than what you have, and not not too much. So I see Rutgers 24, Indiana 17. So that's Rutgers covered just barely over the total now. It was under where yeah. it started. So this yeah. line has trended down throughout the week. So I don't see a ton of points either. I but I see this game. I just kind of think Rutgers gets a lead and kind of sits on it. Maybe yep. Indiana gets something late to bring it a little closer. Yep, I could see that too. All right, we're going to go ahead and save uh, one of the other earlier games for later in the podcast. Yeah, Yeah, I think we are. All right, let's go ahead and move into the afternoon. The three and three Minnesota Golden Gophers at the six and one, number 24 ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on NBC. Uh, Not the bad NBC crew. This is going to be Paul Birdmeister and Anthony Heron. Uh, Two two (laughs) ex-Hawkeyes. Gopher fans are going to love that. Uh, line Hawks by three and a hook over under 31. Vegas is saying 17 to 14 Hawkeyes. This is the battle for the Floyd of Rosedale. Don't even care what anybody thinks. The greatest trophy in all of college football. There are there are a lot of people that agree with you there. I, think I so. mean, it's it's pretty damn cool. I'm not I am no skin in the game at all. It's a pretty it is a pretty damn cool trophy. It ain't bad. It ain't um, bad. Gophers lead the all-time series here, 63-52-2. So, nice little gap. But oh. the Hawks have won eight in a row. Okay. Including last and year's 13-10 barn burner. Not only have the Hawks won eight in a row, they are 44-42-2 in the battle for the Floyd of Rosedale. So, essentially, okay. Okay. in modern type of football, you know, they've, they've, they've yeah. been... The better program. I just like to point that out. Okay, let's start yep. with the go. Let's start with the Gophers, though. Um, coming off an idle week, okay. Yeah. Uh, haven't won in Kinnick since 1999. Like again, your 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 boy was still in pads last time that happened. Um, with that being said, Iowa's banged up. Minnesota's coming off the idle week. This ain't a bad time for Minnesota to be coming down I-35 and seeing if they can get this W. I mean, you have to think coming off an idle week that that PJ and the Gophers have, they've got something up their sleeve, right? Because right. I mean, what are you, what else are you saving it for? If not now, this is a game that you win this game. And now, like we talked about last week, the big 10 West trajectory completely switches again. And now you have a shot to climb back into the top part or top yep. half of them standing. So you have to think they're going to come out with some kind of trick or some kind of scheme or something, but in my mind, I think, well, it's Phil Parker. He's probably seen everything that you're going to try yeah. to come up with. But that's why these guys get paid a lot of money. They've got to come up with something. They've got to see something. And to me, it has to start and end with Ethan Calliot Manis. I mean, it has to. Yeah, that's a take. Um, I'll say this to add a little bit of fuel to the fire. Uh, it, it Things are still, you know, grumpy around Gopherland right now. And, and, and it is still from that Northwestern loss. Um I've tried telling Minnesota fans to just flush the Michigan loss. It, it, it's just, it shouldn't even matter. But I will say this. If PJ finally gets the pig, Gopher fans will come screaming back. Oh, buddy. And, and on top of that, the Big Ten West is immediately wide ass open again. Like, I, mm-hmm. I tried to say this last week. Like, quit talking about the Big Ten West race is over. Minnesota wins this game. It's only a three and a half point spread. It comes all the way back. How do they do that? I'll say this. Um, two things I would say is I, I, I'm, I'd am i be curious to know how much football 
Minnesota, uh, Iowa fans have watched of the Gophers. You know, I'd, I'd be curious to know because if sure. if Darius Taylor plays, because we don't know yet if, if he will, but if he plays, I wonder how many Iowa fans are going to get a really quick lesson on how super talented that guy is because he's a difference maker. I saw Minnesota get yards against Michigan. Trust me, Iowa fans, whether it's Darius Taylor or Zach Evans, this is a good Minnesota rushing attack, and it will get some yards. Yeah, uh, I would be very surprised if he doesn't play. You almost have to feel like like that was the plan this whole time with his injury was, you know, we're not like, could he have played against Michigan? Probably, maybe. But why? You've got the idle week. The Iowa game is bigger in this sense. So I would be very surprised if he doesn't play. But part of why I said that I think this that this whole game plan has to hinge on Cali Manis so much is because I do think Bill Parker knows what Minnesota and Darius Taylor and Zach Evans and what they are, what they want to do. And I think he's going to be very adamant about saying, you're not going to run the ball on us. For sure. I'm going to make Ethan beat me. And can he do it? So I want to see, he's going to have to step up and make some throws and he's, it's got to be the discipline yep. throws. Cause I, I feel like a broken record. Cause I always say this, but, Iowa's defense, they try to lull you to sleep and force you to make those throws that look like they're there, but they're really not. And that's where Castro and DeGene and those boys step in and pick a ball off. So a lot of this game to me comes down to Ken Kaliak Manis. Stay in it, make a couple big throws, and milk this game out. I think Minnesota needs to play this game in the mud, too. There's no reason they need to get out and try to sling it around a bunch. It's and that's and that's why you see the line as low as it is. I mean, sure. because the offenses aren't aren't great. I mean, that's the number one reason. And both defenses are good. One of them is really really good. And both coaches want to play it close to the vest. Frustratingly yep. so for both fan bases, but that's <laughs> what we're going to see. Um, another thing I would point out is uh, Hawks. Uh, watch out for uh, uh, Daniel Jackson. I mean, the guy is a slippery good wide receiver. And then the last thing I would say before I move on to Iowa is. Brevin Spanford, tight end Brevin Spanford, has been in the uh, in the back of a milk carton this entire season. I I wonder if there's something else going on. Uh, little secret. I'm going to let a little secret out of the bag. Iowa kind of struggles with tight ends. They have really smart tackling machines at linebackers, but they're not great in space versus tight ends. Brevin Spanford, like you saw it against Michigan State. You saw it against Purdue and, and Iowa State. They have a good tight end. Will Brevin Spanford finally break out? I don't know. It's something worth keeping an eye on. Uh, switching over to Iowa, nothing much has changed. The offense is pretty bad, and the defense is really darn good. Um, I I would like to point out uh, the rushing attack has come around. It, it's a I, I hundred percent. One hundred percent has. I, I think I'm almost ready to say it's a pretty good rushing attack uh this That's would be fair. another huge another huge you know hurdle that they can get through um but fourth quarter michigan state pretty much all of purdue even stronger uh versus wisconsin so if this rushing attack which should be getting even a little bit stronger with jazz patterson coming back if they can do it again rushing the ball that will certainly bode well for iowa's chances to to win this game and go in the idle week at seven and one I think you have to say that this rushing attack is pretty damn good at this point because you look at the ineptitude of the passing attack and teams basically flat out being able to sell out on the run and they're still having success. So that 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 to me says, yes, this is a pretty good rushing attack. Rushing attack. And I mean, it, that starts with the offensive line. And when what I'm seeing, 
it looks like this offensive line has really started to find what they're good at. Yep. And and getting their niche down. And that's important. Offensive linemen, that communication and that yes. that fluidity and what they're doing in their blocking schemes matters. So yep. yeah, I mean that's that's what you're gonna see a lot of from Iowa. And I think that's what you need to see from a lot from Iowa in this game. And the real deep dive with that is I'm almost positive they've almost exclusively gotten off zone blocking and more hat on hat and pin and pull. And it takes timing. It takes time to get your timing down with that pin and pull. And that's been a lot better. And then, of course, you go to you jump right into the ugly pod with the throw game. Um, I mean, you just sit there and you're like, can we I mean, it's crazy, but you sit there and you're like, if we just went 10 of 15 for 110 yards and a touchdown, it would be like, like throwing gas on a fire, you know, or just, you know, putting booster fuel in in your vehicle, like just something that small. And then you think, then you have really crazy thoughts. What happens if they had 200 yards passing and two touchdowns? Wouldn't that be? Wow. Oh, come on now. Right. We're getting into fantasy land here. And and the thing is, I am getting into fantasy land and that's how bad Iowa's throw game is. I'm, I'm in fantasy land when I'm thinking 200 yards and two touchdowns. The only, like, I, I have nothing positive to go off of from what I've seen. I've only got words from practice, which are extremely meaningless to Iowa fans. Um, and then the one other thing I would say is for whatever reason, Brian Ferentz going against Joe Rossi, he has been able to manufacture a deep shot every year. It has happened every year. I don't know what he sees. Something to try to give Iowa fans hope. That's that's the most I can, I can go off of right there. You, so. you have to think with all these – injury somebody's gonna have to step up and be that guy and, and maybe this is an opportunity for a younger guy to get a shot and get a look and and maybe they have somebody that can come out and make a play for this offense i mean you gotta there's gotta be somebody because everybody else is hurt, hurt. somebody's gotta yep. step in and it's so step in and get your shot and make a play and it's probably gonna have to be a wide receiver because we're down our top two tight ends which right. by the way probably concerns me more in the in the running game but so i've talked a bunch uh you go ahead and start with the prediction i'll follow you yeah so i mean this this game, everything that we said makes me feel even better about where I'm leaning with this game. Uh, this game is a 31-point total for a reason. I think both these teams are 100% comfortable with lining up, running into each other for four quarters and see who can come out in the end. Um, to me, Kinnick, Iowa's rushing attack, the, the somewhat struggles of this, the leakiness, I guess, of this Minnesota defense makes me lean Hawks. So to me, I feel like this is Minnesota 10 Iowa 17. So that's 27 points. And that 27 is under the 31. That is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. I'm locking up the under in Iowa, Minnesota. That's awesome. That's a total of 27. (laughs) So we're under the points. It's kind of a print. It's kind of a Jordan principle bet too. I I, I throw out there for you. So very much so good. I told you, I told you before I started, I felt, I I felt eh about it. Then we started talking about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm right here. I'm on the right side of this. I know. Well, I not am, to so. not to contradict you too much here, because I will contradict you a little. But at the same time, I, I'm I would not talk you out of it. I just want to be clear there. Um, as far as you know, who's just going to straight up win the game? This is a prime spot. Okay. Um, if Iowa falters, Minnesota will win this game. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that they can win this game. I would even go so far as Jordan is to say, if one, if this is a quote unquote blowout, you know. 14, 17 points, something like that or more. I think there's actually a better chance that Minnesota would be that team that you would see. Like if I That's just not crazy. Okay. If I just knew it was a blowout 
but I didn't know who won, I would probably guess Minnesota. But in the end, young team for Minnesota, haven't won Kinnick in 24 years. I just need to see it first. I'm a, I'm a prove it to me type of guy. Iowa is going to do everything they can to get to that idle week with that one loss uh, still in the column and one loss in the loss column. So I've got Iowa 17, Minnesota 16, and that's an over at 33 points because it is an over. It is 17. Okay. Does that make you, does that make you kind of doubt yourself a little bit? No, no, not really because 17 to 16 isn't over Jordan. Here's, here, if if it goes over, I'm going to tell you who is the person that is going to kill you and could potentially kill the Hawks. Dragon Kesevich, the Minnesota punter. That is the person that scares me and should scare any overbetters because the dude gets past the 50 yard line. He's pretty much in range. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. All right. Sticking into the afternoon, we got the Beetle Bowl. Four and two Wisconsin Badgers coming into Champagne to take on the three and four Illinois Fighting Illini. It's a 2.30 p.m. game on FS1. Line Badgers by two and a half over under 42. So Vegas is saying something like 22 to 20 Badgers. So Badgers lead all-time series here, 44-39 and seven. Although Illinois did win last year with a big 34-10 victory. And I am officially... Putting that petition out there that because this is the Beetle Bowl, I think they should play for a giant can of Bushlight. Yeah, something it like just that. Just feels right, you know, yeah. like a something giant can, something Bushlight related. Yeah, Beetle, you know, it yeah. just feels right. Um, um, this game, this game to me is it's there's a lot more layers to it now. All of a sudden, with the Tanner Mordecai injury, you know, uh, gosh, we, there is so much more question and intrigue in this, like. We kind of talked about it in either the last podcast or the podcast before. I can't remember, but it is sort of incredible how much a team can change one win or one loss away or the fan bases feel about their team with one win or one loss. These teams almost switch spots in in one weekend. You know, the the oh, 100%. the the, the I, I there there was a badger buddy of mine that I haven't talked to in a while. He He texted me out of the blue on Monday just to talk crap. And I'm like. But I, you know, he, why? Because he was just mad. He was just mad, you know, and he was trying to egg <laughs> on a fight. I was too busy and too tired to, to take it. But I know that feeling. Whereas with Illinois fans, even Kurt's cold dead heart was a happy man on Saturday night and just felt good about things, you know, finally getting the W. And then the injury to Mordecai. I don't know if if uh, Braylon Allen is healthy. He 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 was kind of dinged up going into that Iowa game. Physical game versus Iowa, I think maybe there was a little bit of exposing that happened, okay, with, with Iowa to Wisconsin. Basically, take a physical fight to them and see if they can respond. I got to think Beetle is up in front of his troops, looking at the Iowa film, screaming at you know uh, the, the big boys up front, like, go take this game from them. It's going to be interesting to watch on, on, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I agree completely that, that that has to be the philosophy if you're Illinois. The question that I have is, is this defense up for that fight? Because we just haven't seen the consistency from this defense to prove to me that, that they can put back-to-back weeks together with those type of performances. Because what they did last week against Maryland was impressive. It was. The defense played well. The offense moved the ball. Everything seemed to click. 
can they do it two weeks in a row? Because we haven't seen that this year at all. I, I that is a great point. I will say this though. I will say this. Um, I, there were a couple different times in that Illinois Maryland game where it felt like Maryland had took the momentum back, and I just kind of thought they were going to run with it. Even even times where Illinois made a mistake, Illinois just stuck in there and fought back. So that was a resilient, you know, type of performance to just show up in the game, let alone, you know, get challenged a couple times in the game and pull it out. The other thing is um, Lukey legs look better. You know, he had a little bit more time to throw. Okay. Looked a little bit more comfortable. The plays popped. He didn't make as much as many mistakes. I think he'll have the opportunity to do that against a decent Wisconsin defense, but one that's not fantastic. So like, that that's the number one thing I'm looking for is is Lukey legs uh, 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 comfortable and does he look decent in this game? Yeah, and I think they also need to get that young the young back yep. Fagan going again. I mean that that seemed to really help them against Maryland, help to get that consistency and that flow, and keep them on schedule. When you have a struggling offense, staying on schedule I means so much to what you're doing in the game plan. And one thing you don't want to do with this Wisconsin defense is give them those plays where it's, and now it's third and nine, third and 10, and they can pin their ears back and get creative with what they're trying to do. So to me, establishing that running game, and like you said, being physical with this Wisconsin team is going to be extremely important for, for Illinois, both offensively and defensively for that. And matter. defensively, who they're going to try, all excellent points, defensively, who they're going to try to get after. It's going to be Braden Locke, um, first start, first career start, tough spot to be in. Uh, this is going to be a defense that's going to come at him. Um, the receivers are there, okay? No tight ends to speak of, but... We're getting thin at at running back. A lot of questions. It will be interesting to see what the game plan is for Wisconsin on offense because Luke Fickle talked about after the Iowa game that he kind of took blame saying, we should have ran the ball. We, we They tried to make fetch happen with trying to throw the ball and it wasn't working. Well, now what are you going to do in this game when you have a young quarterback? But I think a banged up backfield I got to be honest with you. I can't wait to watch this game because it's going to be interesting to see what the game plan is. And then just overall, how successful Wisconsin is going to be on offense. Yep. I, I agree with you hundred percent. This was the one game for me when I was putting scores together, I changed it four different times yes. and went two different directions. And I, I still hate what I have. I do too here, but I'm, I'm going to go with my gut on this pick because it's just, like I said, do I trust Illinois to do two straight week performances like we saw last week? And at the end of the day, I say no. I just don't trust them right now. So I'm going to take Wisconsin 24, Illinois 21, and that's a 45. So that's that's comfortably over right now the total. But I just yeah. think at the end of the day, there's more overall consistency from the Badgers team, and I just trust them more than I trust Illinois right now. And I could be completely wrong about the game, and it could be opposite. I don't have a great read on it. Yeah, I don't either. Um, in the back of my, in my bouncing around in my head is, hey, this is Wisconsin and they're going to be fine. But then I also have, there are teams change midseason sometimes. 100%. Did, Wis- did Wisconsin kind of get exposed and did Illinois figure a few things out? It could happen and Illinois could win the game. I know along the same lines as the last game though, like I think I need to see it ag- again to buy into it, but I tell you what, it's it's going to be close, okay? And I think I the agree. player of the game is going to be Wisconsin's kick, kicker, Vakos. I think he has got a leg. I think he's going to put a lot of field goals through. 
And that's going to lead to the score I kind of have here. Wisconsin, 19, <laughs> Illinois, 17. So at that's a Illinois cover. And at 36 points, I've actually got that going somewhat comfortably under. I think we're mm-hmm. going to see some challenged offenses in this game. I, it's entirely possible with everything we're looking at. The Eyes on Big Podcast sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Sticking on in the afternoon, we got three more games left to break down the three and three Northwestern Wildcats at the three and three Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on BTN line Huskers by 11 over under 41. So Vegas is saying something like 26 to 15. This is the battle for the NU title who gets to be considered NU for the rest of the year. Yep, Nebraska leads the all-time series 9-7. Northwestern did win last year. If you remember, that was Ireland, right? Yep, yep. There was last year, yep. So last year, 31-28. This game to me is very interesting also, but mostly because of Nebraska coming off of their idle week. I think there's no team in the Big Ten who was ready for an idle week more than what Nebraska was. Interesting. Um, Because they – Yes, they were. They had a lot of different injuries in a lot of different places. They were starting to click. They were starting to look a little better. Get that idle week to build on that momentum and come into this game against Northwestern. I think this idle week comes at a perfect time for the Cornhuskers. It absolutely came at a perfect time. They kind of had a super idle week because they played the Friday night game with Illinois before that. So they oh, even got, sure it was they, Friday night. They yeah. even got an extra game. Now Northwestern's coming off an idle week as well. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, quickly on Northwestern, uh, we don't know who is going to play quarterback. Uh, I check with our guy, Big NU fan. I don't think it looks good that it's going to be Ben Bryan. I, I don't think it's anything official. We probably wouldn't know until, well, about 1230 local time uh, if he's going to be in the game or not. But my guess is no. So we might have a Sullivan. We might have a Holinsky. We might have a Lausch. We don't really know. Um, can any one of them get the ball to wide receiver Bryce Kurtz? That would be my question. Like, he's a big play guy, okay? He is a weapon in the passing game. I just, I'm kind of, sometimes I wonder if he's the only weapon in the passing game. So can they get him the ball, whoever's throwing the ball? And then can Cam Porter get going at at all in this game versus this very stout Nebraska defense? I I don't think so. But those are the things that Northwestern is going to have to have happen if they want to have success in this game. Yeah, I, th- I think if Ben Bryant's not playing in this game, this line changes even more for me, and I okay. feel like it swings even more to Nebraska because I think the way they have a shot in this game is if they can sling around the yard a little bit, and he's about the only one I trust to actually do that with any yeah. kind of consistency. So very interested to see his status coming forward here down the back half of this week, but if he's not playing, you will see me putting some shekels on the Huskers to come Saturday morning. Well, the tough part with that is – I guess you won't find I start start find a source on Twitter, you know, that is dialed into the Northwestern football because you're probably not going to find out till t- two hours before and then you're going to have to jump. I'm going off the impression, by the way, that he's not that that's what our guy big and right. you he didn't confirm it. I don't want to out the guy, but it, it, it doesn't look good I, is what I'm right. trying to say. Another thing that doesn't look good is Northwestern's rushing defense. They have given up. Uh, when they've played power five teams 
192 yards rushing on average. And I would throw out there that some of those games, the dogs were called off midway through the third quarter. Point I'm trying to make is there was more rushing yards available. And now it's going against a Cornhusker team that that's all they want to do is run the ball. I think essentially Nebraska could come up to the line on a couple of these plays. Tell Northwestern where the ball is going. I'm not 100% sure if Northwestern is going to do much about it. Um, I think quarterback Heinrich Harburg is going to be the starter. He should be the starter. I think Matt Rule agrees with Jordan and I, what we've been saying the last couple of weeks. So so that's a, a good thing. With that being said, it's not going to surprise me to see Jeff Sims in this game. You will see packages. I think you'll see packages with him in it. And I'm fine with that. I I, I am definitely yeah. good with a with a Jeff. You got to use the athleticism, sure. Yeah. Um, and then and uh, uh, and then of course talking about the the Nebraska defense. It's a real life active defense, and and it was banged up. Still got the job done with Illinois. Here's my my take on this game. I think this is a this is an awful matchup for Northwestern. Okay, yeah, you, you're nodding. I think we see the same thing. <laughs> I think. Nebraska can cover this 11 points, even if they kind of play bad, not bad, just not as good as they should, which basically means they'll play good defense. They'll run the ball. Well, they won't hit a lot of plays in the throw game, but they turn the ball over. If they do all of those things, but don't turn the ball over. I think they win this game pretty comfortably. Yeah, you you really took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, my my top notes are here: run the ball, stop the run, and don't allow explosive plays, and keep the ball in your color jersey. Like yeah. you do those few things here, I think Nebraska is the bigger, better, faster, stronger team in this game, and and I see I see it playing out that way. So if you want, I'll go right into what I got. Go for here. it. Go for it. So I have Northwestern fourteen, Nebraska thirty one, giving them quite a few points. I think this. I, I think this offense off that idle week, like I said, that's okay. big to me. Yep. <clears throat> they're going to find some more fluidity in this game, in this offensive running game. And I think they're going to really lean on it. So that's a total of 45. So that's just over. And that's a comfortable Nebraska cover. Okay. Um, I, I agree with almost everything you said. We're, we're just off on the game totals here uh, so far in these predictions. So um, I, I'll give you one. Uh, I'll give you one turnover, Nebraska. That's you get one. Okay. You can't do any more than that. So that's what this score is predicting along with a Northwestern defense that will bow up and play well at times. Okay. It will eventually wear down, but I've got Nebraska 28 Northwestern 10. And I think that's with popping a big play off the idle week. Okay. And at 38 points, that is under, I feel pretty good about that. But what I mostly feel good about is Nebraska covering that 11, and that is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Did you consider this, Nebraska? This was, my, this was my second one where yeah. I was him hauling back and forth about was Nebraska and the points. I kind of thought we would actually have our fourth uh, same Amador of, of the season, but I'm not saying I'm disappointed, but it wouldn't have surprised me at all. All right, moving into our only evening game and the only game this year that maybe we'll get Jordan's blood boiling just a little bit. I feel like you've been a you've been a little too docile. I need to I I, I need to see you get a little bit more fired up here. The seven and zero number two ranked Michigan Wolverines going into that rivals backyard. The two and four Michigan State Spartans. This is a six thirty p.m. game on NBC. This is the funeral crew. So have fun with that, buddy. Line I mean, just mute it. <laughs> it might not be a bad idea. 
line Michigan by 24 over under 48. That's our highest one on the board this week. Vegas is saying something like 36 to 12 Wolverines. This is the battle for the Paul Bunyan trophy. A quite ugly, I would say four foot lumber, four foot wooden lumberjack, but I like him. It's like a, it's like a dog that's so ugly. It's cute. It's a, it's a, it's a good trophy. Don't get me wrong. Uh, everybody, and we talked about how Floyd is the best trophy, and, and even the Michigan Michigan State fans say that this thing is hideous. But you know, yep. it is what it is. Paul it is what it is. An old, he's an old folk hero in the yep. state, so that's that's what we play for. <laughs> Paul Paul will, Paul has a, a permanent residency in thinking Ann Arbor, but we'll see. Uh, so Michigan leads the all time series 72, 38, and five. Last year's twenty nine seven victory over Spartans. Last time we were in East Lansing, though, that was the the barn burner of a game two years ago when you had both teams undefeated. Michigan State got the win in East Lansing. So, yeah. So Michigan's got definitely the overall series. What's what's the last ten years like? Do you know what that record is? I don't have it off the top of my head, but if you want to start, I can find out. <laughs> I was just trying to egg you on there a little bit. Um, and that loss in East Lansing two years ago. The only Big Ten loss in two and a half years. Am I not correct? Yep. Yes. The last time Michigan lost a conference game was that game in East Lansing. Thanks for I'm bringing it up again. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to needle you just a little it's bit. It's working. It's working a little bit. It's the best I got because I think we both know who we are predicting to win this game. But let's go ahead and start with Michigan State. Um, I did like what I saw out of Kaden Hauser last week. He looked good. Like one would think that he would try to do too much in this game. I think that's the last thing he should do. If 180 yards passing and one touchdown is all there is available, do that. Okay. Don't try to force the ball here because that's where the the, the wheels will fall off and fall off quickly. Try to see how far you can get in this game playing, doing two things, playing hard and not turning the ball over. That would be my goal for Michigan State. Play hard, tackle hard, block hard. Don't turn the ball over. See what you look like matching up to Michigan into the second quarter. Yeah. Um, that's that's I think that's where it has to be because it's gonna have to lean on the quarterback a little bit because we know Michigan State likes to run the ball with Nathan Carter and Jalen Berger, but I just don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of running lanes with this Michigan defense. I mean, nobody's been able to do it yet. So you're gonna need whether it's Hauser or Noah Kim is somehow out there playing, one of them is going to have to loosen this defense up a little yes. bit. Yes. But then again, like you said, they start trying to get too risky. This Michigan secondary's got seven interceptions, something like that already this year. So they, they're taking the ball away at a really high rate right now. So they have to be smart decisions with the football if they're going to try to do that. I don't even need – I'm not even necessarily calling for deep shots for Michigan State's offense. Um, I, I'm just saying – Smart shots, okay. Uh, take your time, matriculate the ball. Uh, see again. I, I have seen they've got a good tight end that they can throw to. They've got a couple good receivers. Like, just stay within yourself. And I, I know I keep saying the same thing, but I'm just so curious to see what Michigan State would look like if they didn't turn the ball ball over. Now, last week it wasn't the offense; it was special teams. Okay, so they're they're yeah. in on this conversation as well. Um, so we'll see. On the other side, I'm 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 really kind of searching for storylines here. I'll be honest with you, but Michigan State is kind of stout up up the middle. Okay, um, I'm not saying that's the only place Michigan can have success, but maybe they can make this rushing attack work for it at first. Not unlike Indiana did last weekend, 
I don't know who I don't know whose defense is better. Maybe Indiana's defense is just simply better than Michigan State's, but I do think there is a a stoutness in the middle of Michigan State's defense that maybe people aren't aware of. Well, the interesting part to me will be, you know, Mark D'Antonio's back around the program right now. And when he was there coaching, he was notorious for his double A gap blitzing and just basically blowing up the interior of the line. And that gave Michigan fits for a few years. But then under Mel Tucker, that's kind of gone away a little bit. There is still some of that you see, but I'll be interested to see if that's more of the philosophy where we're gonna we're gonna blow up the middle of this line and force you to go somewhere else. But I mean, like I've I've sung the praises of Simeon Barrow all year. He's an amazing player. I mean, he's gonna yep. need to be elite in this game if Michigan State's gonna fight to stay in this. Unfortunately, I mean unfortunately this is not your slightly older brothers Michigan uh those Michigan teams could get bogged down this one does not uh now they just go outside or they let JJ McCarthy go outside he starts throwing the ball down the field when he gets running they're just it's just hard to see the path like and 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 I will tell you what the path is I don't think I'm going to scare you, but this is a possibility is if Bowling Green JJ McCarthy suddenly shows back up like I think Michigan should play it almost as close to their vest as Michigan State. Don't give them something to be excited about at home because you have to admit the woodshed is nutty at night, right? Don't get it rocking early in the game with a mistake, JJ. I'm I'm talking to JJ or, or running backs fumbling the ball. Just go do your job and play clean, even if it means you have to punt two of your first three possessions. Just keep making them beat you. Don't don't make the mistakes. Go out, stay healthy, get the win, go back home. Yeah, I'll be curious too with JJ because it seems like, and I don't know if, if you've noticed this, but I mean, I've watched it obviously a little bit closer being a Michigan fan, but it seems like he comes out in these games almost too amped up. Like if you looked at the Indiana game last week, the first two I'm drives saying. were three and out, three and out, and he was he it's like he was too sped up and then he slowed down, got back in the offense, and everything clicked. So that's become a little trend that I've noticed. I'll be curious to see if he does it here. But I got two stats that I want to throw at you that I heard this week that I just yes, think sir. are indicative of what this Michigan football team has been. So Jim Harbaugh threw out this one, so you know it's gonna be a doozy. <laughs> it's a JJ McCarthy stat. So he he has led 213 drives as a starting quarterback at Michigan. 130 of those 213 drives have ended in points. Okay. That's 96 touchdowns, 34 field goals. That's a 63% rate of scoring with J.J. McCarthy as a starting quarterback. And what, nine in a row to end the game? Seven, or seven uh, in a row? I think it was eight. eight, eight. Yeah, that'll, that'll yep. help the stats right there. Yep. Okay, that's a good stat. The yeah. other one... And this one to me is just mind-boggling. This is a Blake Corum stat. So everybody's been talking about how you know, Blake Corum's numbers aren't as huge. He's not breaking all these huge runs. Blake Corum is 12 of 17 on scoring touchdowns from the five-yard line or closer. That's incredible. He has That's scored, insane. He has, car- he has carried the ball 17 times from the five-yard line or in, in. And scored and, 12. And scored 12 That, that is the other stat was good, but that's that's insane. That is insane. That's impressive. So wow. I mean, I'll, so I, I shout out to his off. Shout else. out to his offensive line. You know, they're oh, yeah. they're obviously in the play callers and everything, but you you don't do that unless you have a special <laughs> running back. That's that is a good stat. I, yeah, I, I got those two today, and I thought yeah. I had to I had to share those. So 
I don't have a whole lot else I want nope, to say. Go with for it. It. I mean, Michigan's just, they take care of business, stay healthy. Don't let any of the stupid shit that came up last year reverberate itself into this year. But I, I see Michigan 38, and until somebody proves me wrong, I got Michigan State 9. This team has not allowed double digits. I'm not going to predict it until it happens. So it's 38-9 Michigan. It's 29 points. That's a cover. And just barely under that total of 48. A line that I'm going to steal from College Football News. Uh, if you think one team can cover the over-under themselves, bet on the over. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying I could see it happening. I've got Michigan 42, Michigan State 10. So that is a pretty darn easy Michigan State cover. And at 52 points, it's the only one I got going over this entire weekend to do a little bit of foreshadowing before we go to the next game. Yeah, anyways, but I'm kind of hoping you have to just squeeze your butt cheeks a couple times in the first half, just a little bit, and then you'll be fine. I don't want, I don't want to get that's that. okay. You know what? I'm okay with it in the first half. As long as JJ's sitting in the fourth quarter, I'm fine with it. Yeah, because the other thing, you got to make sure that guy's healthy. All right, that brings us to the Big Ten Game of the Week. Getting 75% of the 998 votes. We couldn't get two more just to get to an even thousand. The 6-0, number 7th ranked Penn State Nittany Lions at the 6-0, 3rd ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. Jordan's stretching out. He's getting ready to go. 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox, better known as Big Noon, line Ohio State by four and a half, over under 45.5. So Vegas is saying something like 25 to 21 Buckeyes. They might not be playing for a trophy, but they are playing for a big old chunk of the marbles in the Big Ten this weekend. Yeah, this is the first game of the Big Ten East round robin that's really going to determine it all. And we're going to learn a whole lot about both of these teams. Quick, by quick the time stat. By the time... Okay. Yep. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you out. By the time this go over for sure. Quick stat. Right now on the schedule, okay, for the all of college football, there is only three matchups between top 10 teams. All three involve on paper right now, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. So this yep. is the first one up right here, which is, I think, is an incredible thing. This ain't just the big. 10 game of the week. This is the national game of the week by a yeah. moonshot. Everybody's everybody's there this week. Yeah. So Ohio State leads the all-time series 23-14. They have won six in a row. That's the bane of all Nittany Lions fans' existence right now. Last year was a 44-31 game. If you remember that game, and I know all Nittany Lion fans do, that was the JTT just yep. wreaking havoc. Went yeah. beast mode. Yep. Um, Clifford's still having nightmares about him. Yep. Um, so we're going to break this game down in basically four sections. Who needs it more? Offense versus defense, defense versus offense, and then prediction and why. So, okay, who needs it more? Day, Ohio State, Franklin, or Penn State? Um, I don't know the answer to that question because, honestly, the answer is probably both. <laughs> but, I'll, but I got... I got reasons for both, but I always steal your thunder. So you, you go ahead and start out. If you got a hard answer, I would love to hear it. I do. I do have one. So you, when you, when you pose this to me and I had to, I stopped and thought about it. I was like, okay, I'm with you there. I can make arguments for both sides and both coaches and both teams needing this more. But when I, I looked at this in the grand scheme of the whole season, and to me, we just talked about this round robin with these three teams and these rankings. So to me, this game means more to Ohio state. Yep. because it's at home 
Got, got to take care of home field in these round robin games if you want that shot at the Big Ten championship and the playoff going forward. Because you drop a home game, now you got to go on the road to Michigan. Whereas Penn State, you get this road win or you lose it either way. You still got that home game at Michigan that you can bounce back to. Now, I know Penn State fans are going to say, yeah, but we've we've been so close. We've been so close all these times. We just need this win. We need this win. But wouldn't winning in Happy Valley against the Wolverines in a few weeks feel just as good if not better? That's what I'm saying. They have a fallback, whereas Ohio State, you lose this game, your next big game is on the road. This is your only shot at that big home win. You 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 convinced me. I, I think I was leaning Buckeyes and Day, but you, you convinced me with that nice work. Um, the one thing I would throw in is did you pointed it out on the podcast? Didn't it seem like Ryan Day really wanted that Notre Dame game? I mean, he was boy was that an exhale to get that yeah. win. So like to me, that was proof on Ryan Day is feeling the pressure. He's going to feel it this week too. With that being said, it's at home. You got to do it. Um, Penn State fans. Are, are angry because they feel that they get disrespected. And I believe they, they do. Okay. I think there's something to that. James Franklin, he gets called overrated all the time. He he's not, he's, I think he's appropriately rated, you know, like, but it, this is it. This is the only thing his resume is missing is more of these big wins. It's just right. that if he does finish 11 and two again this year, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Penn state fans, but if he does finish 11 and 2, he will be fine. He will be Penn State's coach next year. There's a crazy world where Ryan Day loses this game in Michigan and I don't know. I don't know what it it could get nutty. There's no way Ryan Day doesn't feel that. So that's that is building in the angst of what this game is. All right. Uh let's move on to the matchups because I tell you what this you know, sometimes like I'm excited. We're not a Michigan or or not a Ohio State, obviously, or Penn State fan. Sometimes with some of these big games, I feel like I have to manufacture the excitement. There's nothing to manufacture. I I nope. freaking love this game. There are so many avenues. <laughs> there are storylines aplenty, and what's your flavor? What are you interested in? Matchups. Because everything's there. Yeah, just the matchup. So we'll start here on this side. I think people would say. This is the weaker against weaker, but no, nothing's weak here. I want to be clear there. Nothing's weak here, but Penn State's offense versus Ohio State's defense. I'm going to start out with this. Penn State's offense and, and you know, game plan, whatever you want to call it, getting attacked all over the place because they don't take big shots. You know what I think the best way to, to attack this Ohio State defense is matriculate the ball. I'm not – okay, I'm not so sure that this – what Penn State has been doing with Yursich and up to this point is perfectly suited to what they think they need to do to beat this Buckeye defense. And I feel like nobody's seeing that or I, you're nodding at me. So do, do you kind of see the same thing here? I have to think that James Franklin and Yursich and them watched the Ohio State Notre Dame tape. Because what did Notre Dame have success with against this Ohio State team? They were able to run the ball and maintain some drives, which was – Yes. I mean, that was that was the whole function of the Notre Dame offense. What has Penn State been able to do? Maintain drives, run the ball, and Drew Allers stayed on schedule. I have to think they watched that tape. I have to think they took what they saw there, put their wrinkles into it, and said, okay, we can attack here, here, and here. You have to think that's the game plan because that's it what you're good be. at, and you've seen 
There's not a huge weakness in this Ohio State defense, but if there's been any little glimmer, it was that Notre Dame game, them being able to run the ball a little bit. Yep. So you um, have to take that and build and I, I think Penn State will attack it a little bit different. I, I think they'll do a little bit more with the throw game. Maybe Aller's legs a little. I'm not saying he's running free, but just – getting out of pressure and throwing or getting out of pe- pressure and just running for four yards. I mean, it's a big difference. Like, and, and speaking of Aller, wow. Okay, here we go. You know, if you want to start building the Drew Aller legacy, oh my God, you know, I, it gives me goosebumps, you know, right now. Crazy with Aller. By the way, this is going to get tossed like crazy. Drew Aller from Ohio playing for Pennsylvania State University, Kyle McCord, from Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania yeah. playing for Ohio State. You're going to hear that all over the place. Drew Aller has been incredible. Still hasn't turned the ball over as a starting quarterback of Penn State University, but has looked way better at home than on the road. I don't need all-star Drew Aller. I, I mean, if I'm a Penn State fan, I would love to see it. But I do want to see steady and good Drew Aller to win this game. Can he do it? I think he can. But this is a big step. I mean, this is a big step versus an amazing defense. Well, and I think what needs to happen, I think this this goes back into game planning. Like, get him some simple, easy, early throws to build that rhythm and build that confidence. We made the comment earlier on in the year. I mean, I made the comment. The last thing you want to see him do is to throw a pick or a couple questionable throws early on where he starts to doubt himself. So I get him a couple early throws, a couple slants, maybe a screen or two, something to get the rhythm going. If Penn State comes out that first drive, let's say they get the ball and their first drive is a three and out and there's two incompletions and a stalled run, that's bad momentum. That's a bad way to trend this game. I need to see them come out that first drive. You don't have to score. But just do something to show, okay, yeah. we can move the ball. We can do something against this against this defense. Because this Buckeye defense has been stingy all year. It is. Um, and I do think there is an advantage for the Buckeye defensive line versus this Penn State offensive line. As far right as just – what do you mean? You're right in the middle of that. Right. I think that the, 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 the interior of the Buckeye defensive okay. line – Against the interior of the Penn State offensive line is where that that can wreak havoc. Yes. On the running okay. Carrier. Got you. Yes. I, I thought you meant you were right in the middle. I I agree with you there, and I think because of that advantage, Buckeyes defense, which is going to predict into things, because I think it's going to be I think points are going to be hard to come by. Switching to the other side now. Now this, yep. this is this even more exciting. Now we got the Buckeyes offense versus the Penn State defense. I started on the other one. You go ahead and start here. More fun stuff to talk about with this matchup. This this side, to me, is more intriguing than the other side. I agree. I agree. I saved the best so, for last. I think, and it's because everything that Ohio State's offense is good at, the Marvin Harrisons, the Mecca McBookas, getting the ball down the field to their athletes, that's what they're great at. That's, what they, that's where the offense has started to really be more successful when they've stretched the field a little bit. What's Penn State really, really good at doing? Taking that away, their corners. I, they are, could, are, I think they're I think elite. They're the, they are. It's just tough to be the best in the Big Ten <laughs> with these teams, these three teams. They are certainly in the conversation for best quarterback tandem in the Big Ten. Yeah, Johnny Dixon, Kalen King, and then you throw in Jalen Reed, you throw in Daquan Hardy. I mean, there's guys all over the place in that secondary, so – so, so then that begs the question to me, and I've been asking for it all year with this Buckeye offense, is can you run the ball? Yeah. And they've struggled to run the ball this year. This is a game, again, like we said with Penn State, 
if you can't hit Marvin Harrison on these YOLO shots that you've been hitting, because let's be honest, if if if, if Ibuka's not playing, which it still sounds like is questionable, questionable, game, yeah. Then the they start rolling coverage over Marvin. They double team him and take him out of the game. What's your YOLO shot then? Like you've got to have another play. So they, I think they got to find a way to get this rushing attack going. I don't know about Travion Anderson. I don't, I don't know either. about Mayan Williams. You know, so does Dallin Hayden get more of the carries? Like a lot of Buckeye fans want him to because he looks good when he's yep. running the ball. Storylines are plenty here because I think where Ohio but this State's is a di- this is straight? a different game for Dallin Hayden than Indiana last oh, or, yeah, or uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Purdue last week. Right. So yeah. like pass pro, okay, pass protection <laughs> as a young yeah because Penn against, State's edges. Boy, okay. don't let Chop Robinson come free. Boy, don't let him right, come free I mean, off the, the edge. Number I think possibly okay. Marvin Harrison is the most impressive player. In this conference, Either side of the ball in this game. game. Okay, all right. But the most impressive unit is the Penn State pass rush or the pass rush. The, this this defense gets after you like they are easily the best in the country at getting at the quarterback. I don't even think it's particularly close right now. Mixed in with tackles and offensive line that Ohio State fans still don't think are really up to snuff, certainly from what Ohio State fans have seen in the past. And then if you do throw in a young running back, I don't think people understand how big pass pro is to a running back. You are needed sometimes to step up and take a linebacker out or the play is dead. That is possibly the biggest mismatch I am seeing on paper is this Ohio State offensive line versus this Penn State front seven. Going to be interesting to see how Ohio State tries to offset that um, and I, but you know, without trying to be all doomy and gloomy, McCord looks better. Okay. And a hundred percent. Yeah. He's and growing. Liked, you can see it. Yep. And I liked what they saw bringing in Brown as kind of like a zone read stuff like that. I, I, they need to do that in this game. That was a, you oh, know, that was, that was put on tape. hundred percent. hundred percent. So like, I think we're going to see that. Uh, but, but Travion Henderson healthy or not. Ameka Buka healthy, healthy or not? Mayan Williams, like very big questions. Because you're, I, I think Trav. If I had to pick out of all of those, it would be Travion Henderson for me as a Buckeye fan because of his ability to pop a big play against an attacking defense like Manny Diaz is going to throw out there on on Saturday. Well, yeah, I mean, if you like, we said last year with this game, Manny Diaz had a good scheme going against this Ohio State offense. It was just JTT did so many things on the other side of the ball that it made it so hard. But we'll we'll stay on the we'll stay on the path we're on. I don't want to get down a rabbit hole. No, to I me, mean, I need I need this Ohio State offensive line, and I don't. I mean, we know the tackles, we know the struggles there, but I think there's a I think there's a hole, like we said on the other side, right in the middle again. I think they could have some success running behind that center guard guard combo on the middle of this Penn State defensive line. I think. Not a lot. I mean, I don't think they're going to rush for 180 yards by any means, but I think they can have enough success in that middle stretch of this line to help offset a little bit of the struggles they've had. Got lots of fun stuff there. Um, I don't know if we've necessarily provided a ton of answers on what we think we're going to see, but... Oh, no. Yeah, but... but Those answers will be provided on Saturday. Oh, my gosh. Are they ever? (laughs) So this is... I'm telling you, man, this is one of the biggest regular season nine you know uh hawkeye games that i have gotten excited i've thought about for for quite some time so if you don't mind i'm gonna jump into it and you can you can get in right after me okay 
I predicted Penn State to win this game back in August. Okay. I've had Penn State in front of Ohio State this whole year. Okay. From what I've seen out of Penn State, it, they are an excellent team. And I think they are going to prove that in the horseshoe. This team is ready to go. I think the mismatch is just a little too much for Ohio State and Kyle McCord to overcome with that Penn State front seven. Bring your defense and travel into games like this. I think they will. I think Drew Aller will make a mistake, but not big enough and do enough in this game. But the yards are going to be at a premium. It is going to be tough unless it's that big game feel, okay, where both offensive coordinators have been holding things back. And then the next thing you know, the game takes off. If you think that's what's going to happen, don't take my gambling advice. Throw it all out the window. I think it's going to be tight, though. I think it's going to be tough. And in the end, I got Penn State 23, Ohio State 21. So that is a Penn State cover and win. And at 44 points, I got that going under. I mean, what we talked about this whole time, we were we were both trending in the same direction. I, I think that this game comes down to which team can establish their identity on the offensive side of the ball the best. So can Penn State get that matriculating offense of running the ball and the good balance going, or can Ohio State hit the shots that they've been wanting to hit with their offense and get a little bit of that complimentary, complimentary running game going? That's where it hinges to me. Trenches, 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 trenches. Who can make their offense work? To me, I look at this game and I say, okay, that's what it's going to be. That's how it's going to be decided. Who's proven to me this year that they can do that more consistently? And to me, it's Penn State. I think the Nittany Lions have shown, I think Ohio State has the better top-end talent. We said Marvin Harrison is the best player in this game. I think Penn State is the better all-around team right now. 1-22, to 22, I think they're just a little bit better right now. Hmm. I see this game the same way you do, though. It's close. I don't see a lot of points. I got Penn State 24, Ohio State 21. So I take the Lions winning outright. I just crazy. I just think it's yep. close. I think yep. it's a good. It's going to be a great game anyway you slice it. But I just I think, think so. like I said, one to twenty-two. I think the Nittany Lions are in a better place right now than where the Buckeyes are. I think there's more consistency there, and there's more pieces that I trust with the Nittany Lions team. So I had 23-21, you had 24-21. So we were one point off having our our third or fourth, whatever it would be, exact same score prediction. Another thing I would throw out, too, is Manny Diaz is ready for these big situations. He's a big-time defensive coordinator. And I look at how close Penn State was to Ohio State. You reminded me of that when you were talking before. Penn State was right there with Ohio State last year. And, and JTT just took over, right? Well, I think Penn State's better than they were last year. And I don't think Ohio State's quite as good as they were last year. I, I know that's kind of silly because it's it's a year apart. But when you have this much continuity in the coaching staffs and a, and a little bit with the players, I think you can use that data a little bit. There is there is value to trends. There is value to to things that happen. It's just not the be all end all. It is there are pieces of everything that's happened in last year and so far this year that you take and you put into these games that matter. It's not yes. the be all end all, but you've got to take what your eyes have told you 
and put that into this? Well, what my eyes are going to be telling me is that they are going to be glued to the TV screen watching this game as much as I can because I can't wait. I'm excited. It's going to be a great one. I mean, the, I think the whole the whole week, we didn't have a whole lot of blowouts on the schedule this week. There's a couple of them, but a lot of these games are going to be interesting this week. Speaking of eyes, uh, I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. And this has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. Enjoy the football, folks. And if your team wins, enjoy the hell out of that as well. It's been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.